0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 86 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, the small matter of a new Lord of the Rings game. ARMS, the greatest piece of art in modern human history, gets a graphic novel. Has Cuphead broken Mark yet? And our book club this week looks at one of Sega's forgotten mascots, Alex Kidd in Miracle World. Let's start the show. Available on all your favourite podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher. I am your party host, Dave Ryan, joined as I am each and every week by the platforming prodigy, Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you, my friend?
1: The weather really has taken a turn for the worse, hasn't
0: it? Uh, It's it's in that weird... I think we said this before in a very early episode of the show, um, where Ireland has this fifth season that's like in between... um, autumn and winter, where it's just random roll-of-the-dice weather every 15 minutes. I mean, I like to think of it more as, like, just the end of time there's actually I was I re-watched recently because um, they're, they're they're good dumb popcorn movies to watch the Hunger Games movies okay and in one of those movies there's a thing where the weather dynamically changes in the arena every hour and I was like oh it's just the Ireland setting yeah and that's pretty much <laughs> what it is like today we have alternated between a lovely dry sunny day uh, rain, thunder, and now it's kind of like real grey overcast. And I thought for a second I, I saw like a flash of lightning earlier on.
1: I think that's just the strobe
0: lightning. No, I mean when I was entrance. out and about earlier on oh, okay. in the town. Oh, okay. But uh, <clears throat> how have you been anyway? Uh, well, we've yeah. seldom had opportunity to talk this past No, week.
1: well you went to uh, Das Flaps. Yes. Um, Indeed. I went to Kilkenny, which is... Not really famous for its wrestling. How how
0: was Kilkenny? Uh, Kilkenny was alright, you know. Did, did you go to the castle? We did go to the castle, the I was a little
1: bit underwhelmed.
0: Uh yeah, well, you see the thing is like it's a little bit different, I imagine, for um not to make this an English Irish thing, but ye Brits, castle's all over the place. I mean I've got to be and honest. This the whole like thing about kilkenny castle it was, it was a very english castle i gotta be honest
1: every single fucking like museum tour anything i do over here it becomes an english irish thing yeah. like yeah.
0: it's because of ye bloody english it, that's why <laughs> I,
1: it's like i have not done one fucking tour over here yeah. where oliver cromwell doesn't get mentioned at least once i was
0: telling jack about the uh you know the museum we went to that i called uh, it the yeah. look what you did museum yeah
1: <laughs> i was telling isn't him I'll, just, I'll bring him is isn't that just your like natural music like, it kind of is, is. It's, it's most museums yeah, yeah. Um, Um, So, but yeah, the cast was fine. To be honest, I was more compelled by the ice cream and the ribs mm, because you know I'm a simpleton.
0: You went to the same place that we talked about in the show before we we went to Paris, Texas. I wasn't aware it was the same place, but friends of the show, Paris, Texas steak is.
1: They're good. We'll take that sponsorship deal. Indeed. Um, and yeah, other than that, um, I guess we'll quickly, um, talk about your weekend and then get to a film that we both saw.
0: And yeah, yeah. Uh, so I went out to Oberhausen for Westside Extreme Wrestling, VXV, um, their yearly world tag team league for which I'm actually wearing the t-shirt that I got for free. Uh, again, we'll take that sponsorship deal. Indeed. Friends of the show. Um, and it's kind of like a three-day tag team wrestling tournament. I'll probably mention it in brief next time we do a wrap-up. Um, but it was a very good weekend uh, with friends old and new. Um, some proper friends of the show were over for it. Like uh, one Alan 4L. Sarah was there as well. Um, one at Bose Johnny from Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Gary as well, uh, who was his first wrestling trip with the group and uh, met a good few of the, the, the Brit rest crowd who you'd be familiar with like uh, Ollie and Aaron and Alan and Jeremy and yeah yeah all the good guys. Yeah, all, all the good eggs uh, so yeah good time was had ate a lot of food could pretty much do without seeing a burger for a few weeks <laughs> there's a place over there have you ever been to Oberhausen? I've never been to Germany well this is the thing like because Sarah swore blind you were at Carrot before and I was like I'm pretty sure he would have mentioned that yeah. at some point I mean to be um, fair I thought I'm... you were at the one where a time Tommy End, I think it was two years ago where Tommy M was in the final.
1: Like, I got to be honest, when I'm at a place of that or any kind of event or whatever, like it's it's not that difficult to forget that I was ever there.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a there's a bar, a sports bar that like shows soccer and American football and stuff like that all day long, uh, called Three Sixty. That's in this kind of shopping village called Centro. Okay. And it's kind of the default when the group can't decide on where we go because it does, like, just comfort food, bar food, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the most tempting thing on the list is the Build-A-Burger menu. Do
1: you know what, right? I don't know what's happened to me over the last year or or so, but whenever I go to any kind of restaurant now, like, I actively default, like, go for anything but the burgers because I feel like I'm just so, oh, yeah, I'll get a burger. I just want to try other things now.
0: I think also over the last couple of years you have all those, like, um, which was a boutique burger place is showing up. Like, GBK has gotten real popular. Wow Burger is everywhere. Five Guys is... is well, not everywhere here yet, but it's... I, I do
1: think, because we have, like, the counter and Bunsen's
0: over here, yeah. and they're, like, two of the best burgers I've had. Oh, God damn, the counter is so good. Yeah. When you don't have to eat it in six minutes like you had to one day.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I probably would have... You did?
1: No, but I'm saying four-store otherwise. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, I do want to... um. I'd like to go to Germany at some point anyway, but I'd, I'd like to come. You over consider for it.
0: carrot next year, depending on your finances. Mm. Uh, Jack might be coming.
1: Well, I have like an actual full time job now, yeah. So, so that, there's a thing, there's a thing to announce. Yeah, hey. yeah way.
0: Um, So that was the thing. He, Mark was very subtly alluding to on the show last. And that's week. A fair point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, I I'd, I'd like to
1: to to go maybe next year. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be good. the The first names announced for for carrot next year were. Uh, Thank you. friends sorry for that little interlude there unexpectedly the power went out mark yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's a first for the pod i think it's fucking sure just we were sitting here the tv went off we generally yeah. keep like the wwe network on in the background or something i, I figured you turned minutes. it off yeah and i figured that the xbox idol so we were sat here and then brian friend and former co-host of the show was outside outside our recording studio here frantically waving in at us because uh, our, laptop our laptops were working off battery power and neither of us realized. So let's get <laughs> back on the road here. Yeah, the last thing I was saying, the, the first three names announced for Carrot that uh, will probably entice you to go um are uh, Travis Banks, Jeffrey Cobb, and one Penta L0M. So uh, I think we're going to be in for a good time next year in Oberhausen, but it's definitely well well worth the trip. I think for any wrestling faner, it's actually just a nice area. Uh, I still haven't had the time on any of my trips to go to Dusseldorf proper. Like where's where is it? Is it Dusseldorf? Is it? It's it's, it's half an hour from Dusseldorf. Okay, well that's not too bad. Um, for football fans, the nearest uh huge uh football team would be Schalke because it's in the 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 Rhine roar yeah, region. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a really nice spot. Yeah, really, I really just, love I just
1: need to still go to Germany in, in general. Yeah, so.
0: we'll fix that. Maybe we can get you can get a twofer: go to your first WXW show and your first trip to Germany. Yeah, one sure. One of these one of these fine days. Anyway, um, there's one other thing we wanted to talk about this week that we did is that we both seen. And again There'll be no spoilers In this part We've both seen Blade Runner 2049 I've seen it twice Yeah I That's will That's a fast By Andrew the time this will, podcast posts I think I will have seen it twice yeah? I'm planning to go see it Early tomorrow morning Okay Because uh, the fucker's Nearly three hours <laughs> I think about t- Clock's two hours Forty-five roughly I think It f- Fills all, all the part Of three hours Yeah well It doesn't, it doesn't to me But then I'm I, I lose myself in films that I'm interested in like I was telling you it was like nothing will be as hard a slog for me this year as I went to see the Martin Scorsese film Silence mm. shortly after the new years when I wasn't feeling the best and that was proper I think almost bang on three hours long and that was I enjoyed the film but fuck me um, anyway uh, Blade Runner 2049 picks up 30 years after the original Blade Runner and stars uh, among others Ryan Gosling Jared Leto uh Is it Ana de Almas Or Armas Or something Um, Who else is in there Robin Wright is in it Harrison Ford Obviously Um, I won't really Batista I think Dave Batista I think the less you know About the film The better um, but we'll kind of talk about some some loose impressions. The one thing I will recommend is maybe rewatch the first one, and I would say to enhance your experience, definitely watch the three short films that are on YouTube. That kind of uh, yeah, really fill out Dave Bautista's character and Jared Leto's character. I think the Jared Leto scene is is really really good. Yeah, uh, to set up that because he is the the antagonist of the piece.
1: Yeah, and I because they were all like different directors were given. Um. Yeah. Yeah. The like basically the opportunity to Mm. yeah expand on on a few of these uh characters um and what happened within the intervening years in the in the process of doing yeah and i I really really enjoyed the batista one just because you know um big dave me and and, uh, young dave here are fans of big dave and have been for many years and like he he never was the one that kind of came across as one that would have the presence of all the kind of acting chops. But yeah. that, I mean, he would develop that towards the end of his career. Um, but really, he was just at that point being being Big Dave. Um, and so, you know, we saw him be Drax, and that was great. But even with that, certainly with the second Guardians Yeah, film, you
0: thought he was going to go the way The Rock has gone, where The Rock doesn't do a lot of straight-up dramatic stuff. No. Um, but, like... And when you, th- I would always think that's the kind of, like, action or comedy is where former professional wrestlers that's their niche yeah yeah in terms and, of films so, but this is a straight up dramatic role with with, with pathos yeah and, and yeah like he was really
1: good and so we definitely saw that in the uh the the uh, mini film and uh he's part in the the main film as well um and yeah so like i mean for me i've only ever seen blade runner twice and they were mm. within, within the last couple of years Yeah um
0: i was i'm one of them people yeah. where basically i'd be like i really like this film or i really you, like this you show. have a gimmick for like seminal works of film and tv you've not seen yeah particularly
1: tv you're worse with tv uh, than you t- are with t- film. tv just goes out the window but um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of like a whole bunch of stuff, and people are like, yeah, you should probably watch Blade Runner. Yeah, and so um, Blade
0: Runner is arguably the greatest sci-fi movie I've ever made.
1: It's certainly one of the most influential. It, yeah, I would, I would say um, so. Certainly in kind of
0: setting a scene for like
1: post-apocalyptic.
0: Like it's on the post- the Mount Rushmore of sci-fi films is probably like you know that Alien, The Matrix, uh, maybe Space Odyssey. Yeah, yeah, or um, I had another one there for a minute. Never mind. Anyway, um, species. But a uh, really, really good film. Yeah. I, I very much enjoyed it. I, I'm, I'm aghast at how it didn't fuck things up. Um, big fan of the director, I think I've said before, Denis Villeneuve on the podcast. He um, directed Sicario, uh, starring Emily Blunt and Benita Del Toro, which I think you should check out if you haven't already. Both That's both to the audience and Mark. Hi. Because uh, <laughs> uh, it's not a spooky times or horror film. Oh, cool. Um, Definitely interested in that. Yeah. <laughs> And he also directed Arrival, which is a bit more of a spooky time sci-fi film, uh, which starred Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. Uh, that was last year. I, I remember I was raving about that. Yeah, one. I was yeah. Trying yeah. to communicate with aliens. That one. Um. And yeah, it was fucking brilliant. It was I, it a movie feels... that was so good that Jared Leto was good in it, and that I feels don't like a mind Jared Leto, right? Like, I... Did you see Suicide Squad? I did see... No, nah, that, that was terrible. But that
1: film is terrible, right?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it is. But so, there are things about it that are okay in spite of it, and he is not one of them. I see, I don't... I'm not even too, like,
1: against his Joker. Like, Will I just, Smith
0: is actually pretty decent Yeah, it. sure, they I, mean? I, I like, feel
1: like he's a bit misdirected in which way to go with the Joker, but it's not, like, terrible. I think it's pretty terrible. Well, I mean, you're the bigger, like, DC fan, uh-huh, or yeah, big yeah. comics fan. Um, But in terms of, like, this role, it's, um, he, (laughs) I was saying on the way home last night, he does a lot of inflictions and the way that he speaks is very similar to that of the G-Man from Half-Life, you know, Mm. Um, and he seems very spaced out, you know.
0: He seems, he seems to lack, and and based on the character it is, Neander Wallace, he seems to lack empathy and emotion, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's perfect for that character. That's what that inflection has, mm. is that it doesn't have a warmth to it. He's cold and robotic, like the the kind of the the replicants. Uh, you know, the idea of the replicant is anyway. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, really good film. I think it's one of the most beautifully shot films I've ever seen in my it's, life. It's a very, very nice film to see, <laughs> if um, nothing else. The know? the score is incredible. Uh, it, proper, yeah. like, it takes... Uh, the this Much like the whole film uh, does takes what was done in the first one and expands upon it, but doesn't necessarily revolutionize it.
1: Yeah, so there's like a lot of uh, kind of harsh industrial noises that uh, kind of represent when um, Gosling, or or whenever they're kind of doing any shots of the the city at night. Yeah, Uh, There's a lot of really kind of... Roger Deakins, I believe it was, was a
0: cinematographer. I was trying to think of his name there, but I remembered
1: it before I Um, got there. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that kind of abrasive, harsh industrial noises, and then during the quieter moments, there's some really sweet, uh, kind of pieces of music uh, scores underneath uh, I think they really do the, the, this is a really good job there of of basically kind of setting the scene along with just like how mm. the film looks um, like there's, there's a, a pretty iconic shot at this point that people would have seen of like Gosling in like this kind of background or location with this kind of orange vista
0: walking into like a fog
1: so yeah much. it was like radiation essentially yeah. um and that that whole scene is is incredible like yeah it's a really kind of strikingly uh pleasant looking film um and in terms of kind of like uh, the plot and concepts and and you know it, it follows a line along the same lines of the original blade runner um i don't yeah, i don't i think it's fair to say it doesn't kind of venture too f- too far out from those original plot points and themes yeah um, but, yeah, I think the key thing is that it holds up very well. Uh, I, you know, when you think about films, you look at the Alien series and how that just seems to be progressing further and further along, further away from, like, the original Alien and Aliens, um, and all stuff like Terminator as well, when we're thinking about mm. science fiction films. Um, I, it kind I feel worried that because there are, like, a couple of loose ends... From the end of the film that I worry that they'll think, okay, we
0: can make like, you know, a trilogy out of this. Well, and... if it's as good as this, I don't mind. So I suppose. But uh, the thing that would make me think maybe not is it's box office taking so far. Yeah. Uh, despite costing over two, I think the speculated budget was $215 million. It took in 31.8, I think, in the Ouch. domestic box office. And uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, the usual, what I would call the Kermode rule is that for a film to break even, it needs to make twice its budget back. Yeah. Um. Now, for those of you with the the keen memory or who've read about it, the first Blade Runner fucking tanked mm-hmm. in the cinemas as well, both and critically and commercially. Yes, yes. People didn't get it. Now it was only when it got to the final cut version because there's three proper cuts. So there's the theatrical cut, which no one likes. No. Uh, it's got a voiceover. Uh, from Harrison Ford. And, and like when narration. we mean no one, we also mean Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. and particularly Ridley Scott. Yeah, yeah. One um, Ridley Diddley Scott did not care for that film for the longest time until it got to the final cut. So there was like the director's cut then, which was kind of a halfway of a compromise between the theatrical cut and the version Ridley Scott wanted. And then, God, I don't know, maybe about 15 years ago, we finally got the final cut, which was the cut that Ridley Scott wanted from the very beginning. And I think that's the only one that you can buy is the final cut now? I don't think you can... Well, didn't they for, like, the 25th anniversary, wasn't there? Just, like, here's fucking every release of it for Blu-ray? Yeah, there was, like, something. a limited edition where it was all three cuts. I think Brian actually has that version um, on DVD, not Blu-ray. But, um, anyway, um, hopefully, much like the first one, this has a long tail and eventually makes back its money on on Blu-ray or on, you know, limited returns to the screen or, or things like that. Cause it really definitely deserves it. Um, I, th- I think it's a masterpiece of sci-fi cinema, to be honest. Really no, enjoyed it. No, and Harrison it. Ford, I could understand what he was saying. Yeah. <laughs> Cause in real life, he's, well,
1: I mean, there were a few moments. Yeah. A... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it does sound like he's kind of chewing on the microphone. They points. didn't need to
0: subtitle them. Yeah.
1: And as I pointed out as well, um, this is, there is plenty of content here. Um, if you're one of the kinds of people that likes to feed Ryan Gosling cereal through the TV, yeah, there are many, many, many shots of Gosling staring out um, that you'll be able to get your fix Indeed. in. So Indeed. enjoy
0: um yeah so that was blade runner 2049 thorough recommendation uh without getting into any spoiler territory shall we finally talk about some video games my friend let's get let's go with it playing this week hey check it out i learned the baseline from final fantasy 2 scott you are the salt of the earth well thanks i meant scum of the earth thanks mark Gonna give you the office because I think I've gone first for the last few weeks. Uh, sure. So,
1: um, we'll kind of finish off uh, my thoughts on Cuphead.
0: Ah, Mr. King Dice.
1: Um, it's a really, really good game. Yeah. It's such a Mark Robinson game. Yeah. You know, classic Mark Robinson. It's so Mark Robinson. Um, you, the more I've been thinking about it, the
0: like you're so money, supermarket.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Hey. Um, so Mark Robinson. It's going to be a really interesting discussion at the end of, of the year. Because I can fully understand why someone would not like this game, you know. May, may be able to appreciate it, yeah. but it so just may not be to people's taste. Kind of like the Dark Souls thing, you know. Um, except this is better than Dark Souls because it's actually fun to play. But anyway, um, continue on from what we've said before, like the, the visual style and the sound and the whole aesthetic that has been aimed at with that 1930s animation style it just from beginning to end with every little touch it's just it's all in there and there Mm -hmm. are so many little touches like and you kind of notice it when you're on about the 50th fucking attempt at one of the bosses you'll spot something that you didn't spot before or when you're doing the running guns because there's so much to see as you're doing going along the level with the running guns uh, it's just yeah. Um, there's a digital foundry piece that's out about like the way the game was made, basically, uh, which is, should definitely be checked out. Uh, and digital foundry in general, they do some really good stuff. Um, so I'm up Brave to lads. yeah. So I'm up to I think like the the one or the two of the the last bosses in the game. I've done every kind of boss throughout the game up until the the, the end, um, and. You know, I've probably spent, I don't know, six hours or so, um, maybe seven. It is quite short, um, and definitely, like, when you think about when this game started, its production, uh, and and the delays we've had along the way, uh, I mean, I'm not going to fault them for how long it is because they obviously did pad it out along the way but it doesn't feel like filler nothing in the game feels feels like filler you know
0: yeah all Every, filler no filler
1: everything there is f- fucking top notch yeah um and but i can see how some people be, will be like well they're just boss fights so these running guns and that's yeah yeah for some it.
0: people in 2017 the the boss rush Intersper like because it's not too many of the running guns relative to how many boss rushes. there No, are. I think
1: there's only about six or seven. I, yeah. I think there's only a couple between each world, and the rest are just bosses. Um, but what was it like? Twenty quid you paid for it? Um, yeah, 20 yeah, quid. for twenty quid. All right, you. I mean, You're doing well there. I I'm gonna think of Cuphead the way I thought about Fury last year. You know, mm-hmm. Fury was nothing but boss rushes, but I didn't need that to, that game to be anything more than it was. And I yeah. fucking loved Fury. And I'm going to be the same with Cuphead this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm probably like Cuphead more just because um, the there's more kind of variety with the bosses. Um, yeah. And they actually don't go on as long as some of the boss fights in Fury, which mm-hmm. do get a bit tedious after a while. So yeah, Cuphead is just fantastic. Um, if you have an Xbox One or you have Steam, get this damn thing played and get angry very very quickly <laughs> uh the other thing is golf story which is uh, a golf sports role-playing video game yeah.
0: you know maybe yeah. one of those this is this has been um sitting on my switch ready to play but because of a game i'll talk about shortly uh that's not happened so much so i'm trying to remember was this announced during the nindies was that
1: yeah yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember if it was E3 or the the indies presentation. Oh
0: wait, no, no, we've known about it for a while, so it would have been before then. Okay,
1: indies. but like that was where we got because I
0: remember you like, like I don't know if it was as earliest as when you heard of Wargroove. It was around about the same time. I remember there was a one. I know two. Jack came to me first with Golf Story. Yeah, which will not surprise you considering what no. that game is. <laughs> that Jack picked up on a straight away. Yeah. yeah. And I remember a couple of months ago asking you, which is the golf game to get hype for, this or everybody's golf?
1: Uh, well, apparently and both.
0: Depending on what you're looking for. Uh, apparently um,
1: everybody's golf is great as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this plays a lot like Mario Golf Advance, which is a, an RPG golf game, which I think, was that Capcom? I know the, the 3D golf game I was like Capcom. I for you. Um, or maybe that was um, like Sunsoft or something. I'm pretty sure it wasn't straight up Nintendo. Yeah. Um, but it plays a lot like that, and very much this one is the, There is a story going on. You know, it's not just hey, start a tournament, get some birdies, win some money, buy more clubs. Uh, developer Camelot. Camelot. That's the one. Camelot. Where did get Cam, Capcom from? Yeah, no. Camelot made um the like toad, Toadstool Tour and all those golf games as well. Uh, and they made uh Mario Tennis as well. I think. I think that they kind of are involved in. This most is of like the, sports the Mario games. Sports place. Yeah, Yeah. yeah fair play to you um and so yeah it's like there's a story uh it's kind of a bit of a rags to riches start from the bottom work your way to the top that kind Mm -hmm. of general shtick um there's loads of um kind of mini quests and objectives along the way which usually just involve you hitting the ball at something um so you know nothing kind of too groundbreaking there um, but it yeah, feels like a, a, a top-down 2d golf game really you know the, the the power bar works in the same way hit it or get the bar to one side um, or get the meter of the, of the bar to one side for how much power you want then bring it back to try and aim it up to get it central as possible or you know you don't want to slice it or curve it or whatever um, that's all pretty much the same Um... The one thing, um, what am I thinking of? What is the one thing that it does differently? Oh, one of the things I do like that's really cool about it is you can drop a ball any any point, anytime you want. Uh, yeah. And just kind of start swinging at balls. Um, it's weird, so, that's kind of like necessary because there are uh, like different interactable objects within the world um so there might be a switch that's behind a bunch of trees that you can't get to so you just have to kind of drop a ball where you are and try and chip it over um and you can also just like hit random balls at people if you're feeling that way inclined um but yeah like it's it's nothing kind of truly groundbreaking it feels exactly where it should be on the switch it feels priced about where i would price it um, I'd expect Wargroove will be along the same lines in how I feel about it, maybe, mm-hmm. in that it's just kind of like... Yeah, it's like a spiritual sequel. It doesn't do anything kind of groundbreaking, but it's nice to have one of those games uh, around because I've been wanting one of those kinds of games for some time now. Um, and yeah, like when you start playing it, you're probably kind of... I'd imagine you'll feel the same way. It's grand. It's cool. Um, nothing too amazing about it. Um, but until they you know, get Virtual Console for Game Boy Advance and Switch this will have to do for the time being mm-hmm.
0: I have been playing a couple of little things uh, the, 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 the very first thing I want to talk about because I'll only talk about it briefly we've, we've talked about it at length and even had a book club about it is uh, Stardew Valley has finally come to the switch <laughs> as in from last Friday or last Thursday should I say um, and I've been playing a little bit of that okay. and uh, I can report that by and large it's a very good port of that game it looks great as we suspected it looks fantastic on the Switch screen. Mm-hmm. I have yet to put it uh, in TV mode because I've been traveling all weekend. It doesn't, it's one of the games I can pleasantly report, doesn't eat the battery too badly. I wonder it would have. I think it went from 100% down to about 80% on my two to two and a half hour flight. Wow. So, like, it might be, like, that's a rough guesstimate in my head of what it went down by. So, we're doing okay there. That's bearing in mind that I have the thing with the Joy-Con snapped to the side of the tablet and it's in airplane mode because I'm on an airplane. Yeah. Anyway, um, the one thing I have to say about it that I'm not a massive fan of so far is the comparative uh, saving loading times with the PC version. This is something yeah, you this to me earlier. The, the pair of us suspect will get patched eventually and I hope it will. But it's taking a good... 20 seconds, anyway. Like, sometimes it's been up closer to 30, but most of the time, we will say, in around 20 seconds for it to uh, save your game at the end of a day and then load in the next day. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of, for a handheld game, that's not ideal. That's about 200% longer than... That's, that's about how much it takes to boot in the entire world of Breath of the Wild. Yeah. <laughs> when you start that game, so... There's really not much of an excuse apart from like uh, my guess is that's just one bug they couldn't figure out, but they're just like, look, get the game out the fucking door, and we'll yeah. patch it later. And uh, in, in all fairness, thing, like the actual mechanics of the game work perfectly. That's what you need to nail. Like I don't mind waiting around an extra ten seconds once the game fucking works. In, in all fairness,
1: like that break from one day to the next, like I, I don't sound. I, I I wouldn't be too fussed about like like Cuphead. Every single fucking loading time in Cuphead is
0: about. Anywhere between five to ten seconds, and you'll yeah. have that more often than you will. I have read a the theory that part of the reason, like difficult games like that, do that is almost to give you the couple of seconds. To... No, no,
1: no, but there's no loading between like when you die and you start again. It's when you kind of load out of boss battles and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: but yeah, what I mean is like to give yourself a moment to compose yourself. Yeah, but like, when it you doesn't have out. that in yeah, in between yeah. deaths. Um, but yeah, so good, good version of that. Um, I would recommend picking up only fifteen quid. Yeah. How does um did you when playing on uh
1: the on Windows, did you um, Xbox controller? Did you was using the Xbox controller. Yeah. Never used the keyboard. Yeah, so I used the mouse and the keyboard for about the first five hours. Um Oh and it's
0: so much better with a controller. It really is. I had would you wouldn't even, think that. I think you had already played it so much you had cracked onto that before I started playing yeah. it, so you had told me. And I've got like I, I have two Xbox controllers. And I have a third one just lying around, so that's my PC controller. Yeah, because the
1: thing is, because I I plugged in my uh, PlayStation controller just because I couldn't be bothered to like sit up and actually play Stardew. I wanted to lie down because it was three o'clock in the fucking morning. And by about the fifth night of doing it, I was like, I need, bad, I need to find more. I need to find a yeah. Well, that's what unemployment will do to you. No. Um, and so no, that's what Stardew Valley will do to uh, you. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, and so I was like, no, I need to find a more convenient way of doing this. And I was like, well. It's kind of like a, a in some ways, menu-focused... Um, yeah. You know, you
0: do spend a fair... It puts the menu... Now, you can still, with the right stick, control a cursor on the Switch version. This is the thing. And also, they've bumped the the toggling of the menus onto the triggers. Ah, So you can nice. go... Or I think it's either the triggers or the shoulders, one or the other, and you can bump left and right across the tabs.
1: Yeah because it wasn't 100% convenient with the using a controller on Windows because yeah, you have to use you'd have to
0: manually move Yeah the...
1: and every now and again just the, it would just freak out um so you know obviously when you're porting it to a console that is controller based you need to make sure that's all ironed out so I'm right. glad to hear that that's the case but yeah like that's pretty much the way
0: I'd play it at this point anyway so Yeah that's good so, it's good uh, the other game I've been playing and uh, I won't talk for too long because I've only played maybe 3 hours Is uh, a little game you might have heard of it, Mark. Middle Earth: Shadow of War. I have heard things about it. The sequel to what was a lot of people's game of the year in twenty fourteen, which is Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor. Uh, Talion is back. Celebrimbor is back, and there's a sexy spider. (laughs) That's one of the things that one of the many things people were annoyed about. Building was that his thing the uh, gross spider has turned into an attractive woman because I, video games i've i've heard
1: so many things about this game coming up to its release and all of them have varied between
0: negative to huh. yeah this game uh, in a lot of ways is fighting an uphill battle because of the kind of every subsequent thing we heard about it after its announcement wasn't good uh, and it's also a sequel to like what was arguably one of the games of that year it came yeah. out and the biggest thing I've found so far that it has to fight against, in in all honesty, is that it the cat is out of the bag. Surprise wise, yeah. <clears throat> I think part part of why Shadow of Mordor hit so hard is because no one was fucking expecting it. Yeah, sure. Um, and it was a game that was beautifully simple in a lot of ways. It was like Arkham Combat and Assassin's Creed style. Uh, traversal in a middle earth setting and whereas all three of those things have been in games individually before, it was all kind of smashed together and the, the key, the centrepiece was this nemesis system that I still to this day can't believe 100,000 games haven't ripped off a variation of um, the the game now instead of taking place in two medium to large sized open areas is set across, I think, five regions, each of which is massive in scale, each of which from the... I I, I, I must admit I've cribbed some of these later game details for the sake of this conversation uh, off the Easy Allies review, so go check them out on YouTube, great bunch of lads. Um, so you can access all five of those regions relatively early on, like the story will get you through all those regions to unlock them and then you have to start coming back and doing everything all the way along. Um, at first I said to myself, it's kind of weird that the first game is semi-open world and the second game is going back on that and it's kind of, these five large areas, you fast travel between them, you can't actually manually go between them. Mm-hmm. But then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, as soon as I unlocked all the kind of the towers in the first game, I wasn't walking between places. I was just fast traveling anyway. Um, And then I look at these cities and these cities are huge and I really enjoy the tutorial level because there's a little bit of a kind of... It starts off, str- like throws you right in, reminds you of how the stealth works and then there's kind of your first mission uh, really impresses upon you the scale of each area because you you're moving through the city following this other character as you head from battle to battle. and honestly, there are a few games I have seen uh, maybe in this generation, maybe the witcher would definitely be one of them where you actually get the feeling that you are moving around the battlefield of a gigantic battle. Yeah, you know and that you're moving dynamically around there there are things that are happening around every corner and the city feels alive and under siege. Um one thing people who like a light breezy game um are not going to enjoy at the very start is that this game has a lot more systems than the first one. Mm-hmm. so there are a lot more things to get your head around, a lot more kind of upgrade things that you need to be aware of and like sometimes for me that's that's not what I want to do when I want to relax that's not really a mark against the game just that like th- there will be a learning curve for everybody in the first few hours of the game before you figure out what everything does um but the combat is still there it still feels very satisfying um like when you nail that arkham style combat it's just it's 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 just Im- immensely entertaining to do, like, just to encourage hordes of orcs to come at me so that I can fight off as many of them as I can handle. Um, the Nemesis system, they've upgraded the Nemesis system, so there are many more tiers now. You you recruit an army, and you can start, like... Um, there, there are dynamic things that happen within your army as you're recruiting orc captains, where some of them can betray you, some of them r- will refuse to obey orders. You can, if you assemble an army and you try to take one of these cities back because the cities are overrun by Sauron's forces. If you try to take the city back with your army, you can lay siege to the, um, the the city or the area. And it brings in, it starts this huge, huge battle and you have your own objectives within the battle to try and accomplish to take the city. So those ideas are really cool. Like I said, the problems this game suffers from that I would like, I, I would have personally given, if I was trying to be objective about it, I would have given the first one four and a half stars. Personally, I would have given it five stars. It's one of my favorite games of this entire generation. This, I think, is closer to an objective three and a half, subjective four. Oh. If you get what I mean. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> like, I enjoy it enough of a four-star game, but I recognize the things that are in it that are less than perfect. How many are you it? putting so far? Uh, th- three, maybe four. Okay. But I've I've gotten to the point where I've seen one of everything, pretty yeah. much, you know what I mean? Um, the story in the first game and this game are fairly fucking inconsequential, to be honest. <laughs> The, there's a bit in the Easy Allies review where they talk about how the story is disappointing. I was like, did you play the first one? Like, the first one, the story is wank. Like, it really is. It's just, it's not great. Like, there's there's some surface level stuff there for Lord of the Rings fans where they mention characters or, like, you know, a Gollum comes in and out and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's the thing from the thing. But it really doesn't matter. It's the gameplay that matters in it. Tell you what, this game would be different if the thing was in it. Oh, the other thing that's great about this, um, it's much more colourful. Um, I will completely agree with people who one of the reasons they might have been turned off by the first one that it was very much let's go invade the grey brown castle yeah you know that the, the colour palette uh, game sin yeah the the colour palette was not great in the first one but this is just it's vibrant by comparison they haven't it's, full on so yet, have they no they ha- it hasn't gone acid washed <laughs> but it's um, it's pretty good if you like the first game you're going to like this uh, so far also I must report that the uh, the loot box system I have not engaged with it I understand that there are two levels of currency in two boxes silver currency which corresponds to the silver boxes you can actually get from gameplay so you can get some loot boxes without having to pay for them uh, but the gold ones can only be gotten uh, from paying actual money um, I have not felt so far that parts of the game are gated off from me because I won't pay money so that's a relief yeah but we'll see late game There was a lot of rumours coming out Based on the Polygon review That a true ending may be locked behind microtransactions but, it's, <laughs> but the thing is It seems that all the reviews are out now And still only Polygon had any mention Of something like that being the case And they didn't even outright say It, it was more an allusion to it mm-hmm. But everyone else seems to be going What are you talking about? Right. So possibly not um, but I will. I will let you know as I get through the game. Um, I, um, I. I should power through it in a few weeks. Cool. We shall see. Uh, but yeah, that's that's Shadow of War. Let's move on now to the news. News on the march. Right, Mark. I, I can't not start with this. So, one of our favourite things about the original Super Mario Odyssey trailer, apart from, you know, he's possessing things, was that absolute jam, Jump Up Superstar, from that, that you were... Did you find it on Spotify or YouTube in the end? It was YouTube. YouTube, and you were playing it quite a bit for a little while after. Good jam. It's it's a good jam. Well, they've gone and made a music video for it, Mark, and it's kind of nightmarish. They've, They've really, like emphasized that hey look Mario's around real people and I gotta be honest right that didn't work out so well with Sonic no no but it's like yeah it's actually it's live action people and a live action Paulina um and it's in New Donk City and a CG Mario like a super high def CG Mario dancing in formation with them I have many questions (laughs) but do you have it do you have any answers no I have none if anything I just get more questions (laughs) But uh, it's very strange. It's a really good song, though.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, the song's great. Like, um, you know, if they have that playing the whole way through the game, I'd be fine yeah. with that uh, on infinite repeat. Um, uh, look, I mean, the game's out in what two uh, weeks? It's out
0: in sixteen days Fuck from time of recording. Hell. Oh, oh, I'm gonna have a good time. Yeah, it's out the twenty seventh. It's a, it's a banner day for pop culture because Wolfenstein. Super Mario Odyssey and Stranger Things Season 2 all drop on October 27th. Um, So you will not see me for a while when that happens. Um, We also had in related uh, Odyssey news, we had, did you see any of the Nintendo World Championships this past weekend? Uh, No, I was away the weekend. Uh, Weirdly, don't know why, um, WWE superstar Bailey was competing in the Nintendo World Championship. And she was dreadful, God bless her but she was dreadful. I did see that and I someone on um on oh, Twitter the dude from Ender's game as well was in it. I can't remember his name.
1: Someone on Twitter pointed out was like why do these people all have names and then there's just this one person called Bailey whose name is just She's Bailey. She's like Cher or Ronaldo. Yeah. And I just had to point out, well,
0: she's a wrestler, and yeah, so there yeah. you go. But uh, during that, there was a there was a Mario Odyssey boss battle, and three new levels were glimpsed. Cool. Um, so if you want to check out Nintendo World Championship footage, apparently um, people enjoyed it. Uh, the Nintendo World Championships. Yeah, sure. like um, is that everybody was kind of a little bit disappointed because uh, there were a lot of the community, friend of the show, Gary Kidney included, who were convinced that Smash for Switch was going to be announced during the Nintendo World Championships, and it was not. Uh, <laughs> I imagine that might be our first half of 2018 game yeah, the before thing is, Yoshi and Kirby the, drop. The, the thing is, is they're in no rush. No, know? no. I think this will be... Or maybe the summer lull, like they did with Mario Kart this year. Like, yeah. in between ten pole releases, they'll usher that one out This there. isn't.
1: This isn't like the
0: Microsoft
1: uh, with the emergency, like plan of halo you know yeah yeah. Um, there's this glass case with halo or gears of war yeah like just like, <laughs> we're not at that stage yet so they can take as much time as they want with smash to announce that like is the nintendo is that an, an annual thing or no
0: this is the first year back oh okay, that, they, right. that they've done it. i was gonna they, say
1: because yeah. i don't remember
0: hearing about yeah it, it so. might become an annual thing now uh, uh, that'd, be, that'd be cool they, like it's a nice little kind of Viralish event for Nintendo. Like people seem really into it. Well, you see, Twitter might tw- like. I I was looking at the hashtag for it when I was in my um. I had just gotten back from Das Yeah, and Twitter was lit up. I mean, you, you see like
1: all the all the different events there are now between Evo and, um, like even stuff like Awesome Games Done Quick. Yeah. Even though it's not like you know an official event, but. Um, the the traffic that those kinds of events pull in, like, you would be surprised that um, Sony or Microsoft wouldn't follow suit with something like this in, in due course, you know? Absolutely. Um But, like, what... Because I genuinely haven't looked up anything about it in terms of what was played, but, like, what... Ga- was there a game in particular, or was it just...
0: Um, so there was different things, like... Um, they would take games, like... Just the obvious one is Smash Brothers. I saw two different kinds of Smash Brothers rounds. There was one where there was actually just a fight happening, and then there was one, you know, the home run mini game? Yeah. The Smash Brothers games where you beat up the punching bag and then try to knock it as far as you can. Mm-hmm. They did a round of that. Uh, but they were also taking chunks out of games, like A-level or A-challenge, and giving it to them, which I thought was cool. So anybody competing had to be pretty good at a diverse range of Nintendo games. Um, there was a particularly difficult stage in Samus Returns that they did. So they were kind of. It's it's also a nice kind of in tandem opportunity to go. Hey, this game is out. Or yeah. yeah. in the case of when they did some Odyssey stuff. Hey, this game is coming out. Which so that's a fairness, really cool from a marketing point of view. It's a really good idea. Which in fairness was the whole point of, of the Wizard. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Mario well, that's 3, what someone so. was pointing out. We are we are living in the Wizard pretty now. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um. Yeah, so fair play Nintendo. Yeah, sure. Super creepy music video though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Arms, one of our sleeper hits of the year. I really think the two of us have really gotten big on board with Arms lately. Uh, we got a, a one-two punch. Hey, of so Arms news here. The first is Arms, Nintendo's springy brawler for the Switch, is getting a tie-in graphic novel next year, courtesy of Dark Horse. Uh, they would be the same people who did the Hyrule Historia. Okay. Um, I they're they're say, a popular comic book company enough. I think... Are they the ones that print Hellboy? I'm not sure. I, I thought you was going to say
1: Overwatch. Because they, they've they got a graphic novel of some description. Uh, of, I know they have the anime works.
0: shorts that they do yeah, for yeah. each character on
1: YouTube. Yeah. Um, I, I feel that's like another thing. Like, as we get further and further along with this whole video games thing you know you're gonna find so many i mean we, we saw it in like the early 90s this whole video games yeah. thing
0: mark robinson 2017
1: um this goes far as far back as like the early 90s video games are here to stay yeah with uh with like Mario and sonic having their own uh animation tv television series and uh and comics but don't get me started on that again uh, you've you've read sonic comics haven't you i have
0: once or twice yeah
1: i haven't done that you, um, sh- you shouldn't you no. should but you shouldn't so uh yeah sure like I, to be fair like i do need to know more about the the history of helix yeah i need to know what the fuck is going on there
0: i only just need to know about the world because seemingly in this world people just have these arms they're not like sort of mechanical enhancements or anything but anyway uh we don't know much about the arms graphic novel beyond the fact that it's coming next autumn so that's autumn 2018 wow uh, and the cover art is being provided by Joe Ing, who's previously worked at UDON Entertainment on the likes of Street Fighter. Arms, meanwhile, continues to slowly blossom. It really is um, like a word of mouth game. There's a lot of reviewers now who are going in, going, "Yeah, guys, Arms was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Go back to that." And um, in did this... they say how many volumes of this? Uh, no, I that, imagine okay. like maybe a standard ten or twelve issue run. Sure, one. sure. Um, Arms is getting another big update and another new fighter. Um, <laughs> this is from Martin Robinson at Eurogamer who really cuts to the chase here ARMS Nintendo's wonderful brawler which I'll keep mentioning until everyone's given it a fair <laughs> shot <laughs> is getting another new uh, update with a trailer that dropped during this weekend's Nintendo World Championships give us a look at some fresh new features now listen to these Mark and see if anything appeals to you here the headline, no doubt, is the addition of achievement-like badges for milestones such as earning 1,000 in-game coins, winning your first Grand Prix match, and fighting 50 times with a set character. Will they take into account all you've done in ARMS so far and retroactively unlock? Here's hoping. Version 3.2, as it's called, also looks like it will introduce a new character in the form of Mecha Springman, <clears throat> whose appearance is, is teased briefly at the end of this trailer. So I've got to be honest, as far as names go, that's pretty to the point. Perhaps the most oh there's also a new sparring arena that's like a wrestling ring. Oh, cool. That looks pretty cool. But here is the best Mark Robinson moment for this trailer, and hopefully it does come into the game. The trailer has a remixed version of the arms menu oh song my god. and it's a fucking banger. Oh my god. Like, it is it is all killer, no filler, all my right. friends. So okay, you should definitely check that immediately out. Immediately once this podcast is finished. <laughs> Uh, so that's your that's your arms weekly update. Cool. Uh, what was I gonna say, did they rejig the economy in that game? They seem to have fixed the the arms store to make it more logical unless okay. nintendo convoluted because i remember we had a I don't know that. i don't know exactly what they did i just right. know you can definitely keep arms now once you've bought them. it's it's less it's now. yeah it's now <laughs> that you use the coins uh exclusively for the amount of time you're going to be in that game winning the arms you still have to if you don't like the idea that it's a mini game to win the arms you're still you're still right. out of luck but okay. i like that mini game yeah it's sure but at the same time yeah. Once you've done it, like... Why can't I just trade coins for arms? Once you've done it, like, yeah. three
1: times, you're like, okay, here's a gimmick that I don't need to see anymore.
0: Here's the... Uh, moving on to our next story. Here's the the business venture no one saw coming. Konami has partnered with Arsenal for Pez 2018. It is... It is... To put on my football hat for a second, at Pod on Twitter. Uh-huh. Um... It is typically Arsenal... <laughs> Wait, to typically arrive... Arsenal
1: or typically Konami. Oh, it's
0: okay. So it's typically both of them to arrive at a business partnership over a game that is already out. Uh-huh. Um so <laughs> after announcing an exclusive global partnership with Champions- Championship side Fulham, remember that news story a few mm, weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, Konami has opened its wallet and signed a deal with Europa League hopefuls Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> that's a backhander however I heard wait where's this article on uh, it's Eurogamer who by it? the way the subheading wait, is Wenger who, who, out who, who wrote the article uh, Wesley in pool yeah Inpool. he's a Chelsea fan so ah, there, you, there go. you go at a time when Arsenal's best want to leave oh Jesus this is this is just burying them six feet under for bigger and better things Konami's best has stepped in to fill the gap by becoming an official partner of the football club this means Konami has extended access to London's third best team <laughs> Uh, To help more accurately recreate the first-team squad at the Emirates Stadium in PES 2018. As Konami has done with Liverpool, it will use its 3D scanning to capture facial and physical data from the Arsenal squad. Uh, There's also here in this article a preview image showing Hector Bellerin, Mesut Ozil and Alexander Lacazette. Hopefully Konami hasn't put these three on a billboard or anything, giving how devoted to the cause Uzziel seems. Jesus, swept. The idea is each player runs, passes, and moves as they do in real life, while according to Konami, the team's famous free-flowing style of play will also be accurately implemented into the game. What Konami's trying to say is, the thing about Arsenal is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you're a big Arsenal fan, I suppose that's good news. For everybody else, it's kind of like, shrug emoji. Ah, uh, just i don't
1: know i mean like Konami had obviously the the issue with uh neymar and like the barcelona squad being yeah front. he is now being edited out yeah. of
0: all the the in-game menus yeah
1: although he wasn't when the demo came out and i don't think he had when the game actually was l- released and like, uh, was well not off
0: out. the like the the cover he was he wasn't off the menus but he was off the squad in the game yeah Anyway, anyway, moving on, Jesus. here is your loot box update for the week. What are loot boxes fucking up this week, Mark? Well, it's Star Wars Battlefront 2, um, which appears to have, as uh, Eurogamer again say, a loot grade problem instead of a progression system. The only way, listen to this, the only way in this game to get new abilities and weapons is from opening loot crates. So that, that, that right there... Not right so there. So that's giving people a competitive edge. So I am
1: immediately never playing this
0: game, which is such because that game looked really good. Yep. Um, and that confirms here those loot boxes can be bought with in-game currency or real-world currency. Never priced, fucking DVD, playing this game or gifted to you for various reasons. Either you randomly receive the ability or weapon directly from the loot crate, or you can randomly receive an amount of scrap to go towards eventually crafting it, although scrap costs are high and amounts received are torturously low. Emotes and victory poses are included in the loot crates too. The sort of harmless fodder we're used to seeing in other full-price multiplayer games like Overwatch, their loot box content does not affect gameplay. In Battlefront 2, it most certainly does. That is a hot bunch of bullshit my friend like I am always on the case of like I'm not a fan of loot boxes I think they're dumb however if you're going to have them have them in a way that does not give anybody who pays real world money a competitive edge Um,
1: you know it was bad enough that we we're seeing the well actually not I, I guess you, you can't make any um argument against a game that is free to play and has loot crate boxes fine whatever um, This—it's not even trickling into like sixty quid release AAA games now. It's just—it is becoming a thing that is there, and you know, it just—it comes down to people voting their wallets. We did that with yep. season passes, and they bit the dust. season passes, passes are, are still a thing. Online passes. Um, we—I'm
0: <laughs> not buying it. so, yep, you know, me either. Anyway, fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> Pretty that's what I, much. Say. I feel bad for Mitch Dyer who is a guy at IGN that I kind of liked who is one of the lead writers on this mm. who well was, I mean it's his, not his fault so. no it's so. not his fault but his game is going to get pilloried for it yeah. uh, GTA news uh, Rockstar has revealed a number of new updates coming to GTA Online this autumn and beyond including dogfighting of the airplane kind and transform races The latter is Rockstar's fancy term for, essentially, multi-vehicle races. Transform races will bring mix-and-match style track setups that can seamlessly transition between land, air, and sea. Races can apparently feature any combination of cars, boats, planes, and basically any of GTA Online's available vehicle types, and skydiving will even get a look in on that as well. Uh, Jump instantly from the curves of a gritty downtown street race straight into a speeding jet high above Los Santos then dive face-first down into Rayton Canyon and on a jet ski and more. Uh, Transform Races is due to reach GTA Online in an update later this month, and you'll be able to start building your own multi-vehicle courses once the game's race creator is updated with new stunt props at some point later this year. Um, Next on the list and currently scheduled for a slightly more vague autumn release Rockstar will introduce two new adversary mode updates there's Dogfighting which looks to offer exactly the type of red hot plane on plane action you assume it would and Condemned described as a free for all with one player on the clock as a dead man walking to survive you'll need to pass on your death sentence to an opponent new vehicles on the ground as well yeah just the rest of this article is just kind of oh there's new vehicles arriving it's copy
1: and paste from the PR release basically yeah Cool, fair enough.
0: Yeah, still, that game still... Yep. We've just passed four years since that game came out. Uh it came out September the end of September 2013. I mean, at what point do we just call it GTA Online, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the actual story of that game is pretty good. No, no, I, I'm yeah. not saying that, but, you know... No, i in playing it anymore. When we talk about GTA, yeah, yeah, when we talk about GTA, we talk about GTA Online now. Uh, double Fine, uh, of Tim Schafer fame have finally showed off the first fully playable level from Psychonauts 2. So, uh, for anybody who isn't au fait with Double Fine, they're a very kind of like, we'll give you a peek behind the curtain studio. Yeah. They do, I think it's weekly vlogs, where they kind of, oh, here's where our projects are at at the moment. We'll sit down with a project lead, or we'll sit down with Tim Schafer, and we'll have a chat, have a bit of fun. Um, And this week, the project lead on Psychonauts 2 sat down with Tim Schafer, and played through the thrust of uh, an entire level on Psychonauts Two, and that thing is looking pretty damn gorgeous, um, I must say. Yeah, uh, this is the know, first ne- we've seen of it since February, I believe. I never played the original. It's good. I bought. Good. Did we do it on the show before?
1: No, we've not. I bought the game on um, Xbox Live, if I'm correct, or maybe mm. Steam, and I I remember playing it for about five minutes and then just. I never came back to it. Um, yeah. But I think it's one of those games that it, it does show its time. Um, so it's not maybe, you know.
0: Yeah. It, yeah, it got it, a polished it's... PS4 release. Oh, did it? Yeah, digitally. Like, it was one of those kind of, like, jazzed up, you know, like the way they did for the GTA games. Interesting. From PS2. Anyway. Um, moving on. Oh, by the way, that game is still allegedly going to hit its 2018 release date target so fingers crossed okay um out of the blue i didn't realize until i went trawling for news that this had happened sony announced a new singstar game i uh, sure why not uh sony has announced a modest new singstar game for ps4 called singstar celebration it's due out wednesday the 25th of october so it's out this month <laughs> um and as part of small release a fucking singstar game like well i suppose yeah. it's casual so whatever and it's part of Sony's PlayLink push. You know these uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of integrated, their half-hearted attempt at doing Jackbox. Uh-huh. Uh, there's no word yet on price, but the 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 the, the journalist here is saying that they're going to check up on that, get back to it later. An will story. like
1: prior microphones
0: and everything work? Or? Uh, I believe, yeah. It's it's like the the SingStar game that came out around the time that the PlayStation released, where you will use the microphone on your phone as a microphone. Ah, which is the clever little bit yeah. of kind of Jackbox esque. Um, Smart, it's good. Yeah, because like I think we've, I think as rock band four and Guitar Hero Live found out, is that the market for selling people new peripherals every couple of years has dried up considerably. Um. So yeah, there's a widespread of songs, including something by You 2 for some reason that bloody song by Kings of Leon and Liam Gallagher, Gallagher complaining about how he has to make his own cups of tea now. Playlist below. <laughs> Um, So you got some stuff, you've got like classic kind of uh, what you'd imagine from a karaoke session like Dancing Queen by ABBA. Basically it's going to be a whole bunch of songs that I don't want to hear. Rehab, Amy Winehouse. I'm trying to see if there's any actual um, stuff that you wouldn't expect and there's not really. There's not any absolute bangers here uh, from what I can see. Oh fucking Wonderwall's in there because of course it is. Jesus wept. Anyway. That is going to do it for the the thrust of the news this week. We've got one minor update, for which we will now turn to the release date roundup. In the release date roundup this week, I'm proud, I am pleased to announce. Although this was announced a couple of weeks ago, and I completely missed it, we finally have a. Uh, uh, an update on Jackbox Party Pack 4 it's going to release the week of October 17th uh, breaking that down exactly October 17th on PlayStation 4 October 18th for Apple TV October 19th on Nintendo Switch Windows PC and Mac via Steam the Humble Store on Bundle Stars as well as on the Mac App Store Android TV Amazon Fire and Nvidia Shield then finally October 20th Xbox One <laughs> <laughs> um and i'll just read down because we're we're fans of jackbox party pack i don't think we've made any secret of that on the show mark uh, I'll i'll read you through uh the games that we have here so we got fibbage 3 which i think is the the marquee player here in the, the jackbox party pack uh the blanking fun sequel with all new question types and the game mode fibbage enough about you where you guess weird facts about your friends that sounds pretty cool
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Survive the Internet, the web-based frame game where you t- twist friends' online comments in hilarious ways. Monster Seeking Monster, the spooky datathon where you message and date fellow monsters with special powers. Bracketeering, the deranged debate game where you play smart bets on stupid arguments. Civic Doodle, uh, the one-up art game where you compete to improve town murals. Play using your phone, tablets or computers, no extra controllers needed. Uh, plus, even more features just for streamers. So there are actually some cool things that I didn't know were in the um, in the Jackbox Party Packs as is to enable it for streamability. So you know the way there's always a delay on streams. Yeah. Um. There is a streaming mode you can check on the PlayStation Four menu for Jackbox, which uh, extends timers. Uh. By about the length of a, the delay of an average stream, so that people who are playing at home will have ample time to get in. On. Yeah,
1: I, I've seen a fair few yeah. um, like streamers playing Jackbox. Yeah, you for, got into that for a little while, didn't you? Watching people play just, Jackbox, I was finding random people on the internet. Well, it's because yeah. like there was no one here to play it with, so yeah. I was like, I guess I'll find random people on the internet to, to play it with, and it works. In fairness, yeah. So
0: October seventeenth, uh, I guess we'll be uh, we'll be playing that at some stage. Yeah, we need to get that in before Game of the Year. I think uh, that's we need to get it in before Mario. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) But yeah, that's going to do it for the release date roundup. And now it's time to go to the Length of Cast Book Club, the central feature of the podcast, where we talk about an important game from the past uh, that either you should play if you haven't before, or should pick up again if it's been a while. And this week, we're going all the way back uh, to the year 1987 in Europe, 1986 in Japan. And we're going to talk about a game called Alex Kidd in Miracle World. We'll Alex Kidd in Miracle World uh, is a platform game for the Sega Master System, intended as Sega's answer to Super Mario Bros. It was first released in Japan on November 1st, 1986, and then internationally in 1987. It was arguably the most widely known game in the Alex Kidd series due to it being built into many Master System and Master System 2 consoles. As a result of being built in, the cartridge-based version of the game is now one of the rarest Master System titles in existence. Um... The plot of the game. A young martial artist named Alex Kidd one day learns of a villain named Yankin the Great who has defeated King Thunder in the city of Rodaxian and who has kidnapped his son, Prince Eagle, and Eagle's fiancée, Princess Laura. Discovering that he is the lost son of King Thunder, Alex sets out to rescue the kingdom. On his quest, he defeats Yankin's henchmen and retrieves various items which lead him towards Yankin, whom he defeats and sees turned to stone. I do not remember all of that law. Alex retrieves the crown and the people of Redaxian are restored under the newly crowned King Eagle. I was, the reason I included the plot there was because literally the only thing I remember about that, despite playing this game a lot when I was a kid, the only part of that I remember is Redaxion. <laughs> I remember that because that's a really weird thing unless you're trying to come up with a name for something in space. Yeah, Redaxion sounds like a really tropey sci-fi name for a planet. <laughs> Right. So the the way I introduced this game last week when I talked about we us doing it for this show was the idea of the mascot platformer. Yeah. And this idea comes about from when we had the NES, Super Mario Brothers came, I just owned and the the idea on Sega's part and later Sony's part when the PlayStation came along was we need a mascot. For our platform. We need this kind of like. Uh, inviting cartoony character for the kids. To get them in. And to identify with our brand. So when you see Mario. You think Nintendo. Later when you would see Sonic. You would think Sega. And then later again. When you would see Crash. Or Lara Croft maybe. You would think PlayStation. Um, And Alex Kidd was pretty much. The, the first real sustained attempt by Sega to capture that lightning in a bottle of Super Mario Bros. I, I mentioned there in, in the intro that it was their direct response to uh, Mario, which had come out in 1986 as well, had it? Or was it, it would, slightly before that? I think it might be
1: 85? Oh, it was 86 over here. It, or it might have been Mario
0: Bros. Like, the actual... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I get yeah. you. I get you. In or around that time anyway, we'll say. Um, and... The it the thing that's always been curious to me is that for a lot of people now the name Alex Kidd like unless you're of a very certain generation like our exact kind of bracket you you will you there's a good chance you will never have heard of Alex Kidd before hundred
1: percent totally um or you may know it from like fucking one of the, the
0: Sega transformed or tennis games or some yeah, nonsense like yeah that. like who the fuck is that yeah um so. It's safe to say, long term, this was a miss by Sega in creating a mascot. This was not the Mario killer or the Mario competitor. Uh, no. (laughs) That they would later happen upon with a hedgehog that had to go fast. Well,
1: here's the thing. So, uh, I I believe I've, I've discussed this on the show before. But this is the first game that I ever played.
0: Yeah, I think we talked about it before when you moved here and you found out I had a Sega Master System with that game built into it. Yes, uh, and yeah, so basically... Master System
1: 2, to be exact. I remember, um, yeah, uh, I, I remember being in the room and I think it was like a salesperson, Like I, I can't remember who was there, but they were basically selling us this console. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, huh, this this what the fuck is this thing um, and I was just kind of sitting down and you know I'm moving to the right with this little character and I'm dying a lot uh-huh. um, as oh, we'll, we'll be coming back to that <laughs> uh, and I was just absolutely fascinated by this just kind of big piece of plastic um, and certainly like when I got my Nintendo as well and I got introduced to actual game cartridges because uh, I had no other games on my Mar-a-sys- uh, system, Master System uh, this was the only game I ever had on that and the fact I that had
0: one that involved ninjas as well. I remember the box art for it. I remember it was, was that stupid. Not, um, what the fuck was the, the ninja game for the Mega Drive? Was it Shinobi? Uh, no, I wasn't Shinobi. It wasn't no, Shinobi. That, no, the game you're thinking of was probably Shinobi. Yeah. The game I was playing was it not Shinobi. It was not Shinobi. Shinobi. Okay, because I can't remember if there was a Master System port of it. Um, but
1: yeah, I I only had the Master System for a couple of years. And that was the only game I ever... Do you realise how, how fucking long... It like... was called The Ninja. Yeah. Also known as Sega Ninja. Well, your... here's the thing. like There were a lot of games on the Master System that were just like tennis or pro wrestling.
0: Mm-hmm. And the artwork was... Just showing Mark here footage of the Ninja. <sighs> Woof. That hot Sega Master System title that we yeah, all Yeah, look,
1: the Master System is not exactly the most revered console uh, no. for its software. Um... But, I mean, you, you think about now where you have a console and you can just buy a bunch of games. Like, if you know, realistically, I'd never actually need to buy a game on my Switch, for example. I could just buy all software. Yeah. You know. Um, and did you realize, like, how fucking long they were making games on the Master System 4? Like, I think the last official release was, like, 97, and it was a port of a Mickey game, a Mickey Mouse game, I think. I might be off by a year or two on that. Um... That that Master System is just one of the weirder consoles. I mean, Sega Real in general. Real half step of a console. Sega have some weird consoles in in general. Um and Alex Kidd is one of those their, just like their hardware
0: strategy was consistently all over the place. Other than the Mega Drive. They they got Lightning in a Bottle with the Mega Drive but then immediately fucked it. Like, yeah. Yeah, afterwards. They got greedy.
1: Um and so, as you said, yeah, Alex Kidd is kind of a, like a response to Mario to make a, a, a mascot platformer. And as we would see uh, with a number of different developers along the years, you can't just make a mascot and just put it in a platformer and expect it to work out. Tell that to them at the time. Tell that to them at the time and tell that to just everyone is just looking at Bubsby, for example. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm. Can't wait for that re-release. Um <laughs> But I will say this, I always enjoyed Alex Kidd. I enjoyed uh, Miracle World, I rem- I enjoyed, I can't for the life of me remember what the Mega Drive game was called, Enchanted Kingdom, or, I can't remember. Um, but the idea of um, a fairly solid, robust platforming system with this uh, rock-paper-scissor mechanic at the end of the levels, uh, I mean, for, for a start. The 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 three lads, the rock paper scissors lads, fucking terrified the life out of me as kids. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't want to see a man's head that's a fist. That's just not <laughs> a thing I need to see.
0: Um, did you ever complete the game? No, no, never no did chance. I. That's the thing. Like one of the things that is is it, utterly maddening about this. Like I'm not saying you have to make a mascot platformer easy, but. I'm saying you don't need to make it unreasonably hard, which I think for uh, like uh, what looked, for all intents and purposes, like a child-friendly game, it was unreasonably difficult. Like I picked this game up last year, you know, around the time you moved here, yeah. and played it for a few hours in an evening, and I was like, fuck me, I'm dying a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not like one of those things where I remember Mega Man 2, going, fuck me, this game is tough you know but i also remember like achieving at that game and enjoying it but i went back and played uh Alex Kidd, and it was just frustrating kind of difficult because it didn't even feel like i don't know if you agree with me here on this it doesn't even feel like the reward in that game is worth the risk <laughs> you know what i mean like you finish it and you're just like oh more um <laughs> you
1: know i don't there's that that chirpy little tune that plays between each da-da, levels. Da-da. Yeah. Well, no, but there's or was that in the sequel? I can't remember. But yeah, like the actual kind of main theme is is a very recognisable theme. Um,
0: for me, like it was now one thing it did make use of was the colour palette available to them on the Master System because it's a very bloomy game. It's a very colourful looking game. yeah. Which like one of the things you could say about stuff during the NES era was that the colour palettes didn't exactly pop. You know.
1: Um, no to be fair you could make the case for most of the games on the master system mm. as well actually i remember the the master system port of the sonic games actually looking pretty decent um but yeah like there there was kind of a a, a dullness to the nes that the master system or certainly alex kid didn't have um that issue with um one of the things as well about alex kid is that it actually has, has quite a bit of variety in it in terms of some of the levels like you've got the motorbike level um, which is one of the one of the times during those early couple of years of gaming where there was a kind of s- sense of speed yeah. that I would have really kind of seen up until that point. Mm. And those fucking Red Bulls, I swear to God. <laughs> to this day, I don't think I ever managed to get to the, of the level without crashing the bike into one of those Red Bulls or into a, like, a frog or something or just... Yeah. yeah. Just um, some
0: dumb obstacle. Just
1: some dumb fucking thing. Um, yeah, just, just a really difficult game. Like... Yeah. I'd like to go back and play it one day. Well, it's here. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and see like after my days with Cuphead.
0: <laughs> yeah. That'd be the next thing to try, drive yourself insane. Possibly. Yeah. Did you know many people who had Alex Kidd or no? I didn't know anyone that still? had a master system. Like I have only met a handful of people in my life. Now, it's not like I walk up to everybody go, "Hi, my name's Dave. Do you know what Alex Kidd is?" <laughs> But, like, of people I have become friendly with and discussed video games with, which is quite a few, I think Alex Kidd has only come up with you and with Dan, who lives with us as well. Other than that. No, but as I said, I, I didn't know anyone else that had a master system. Um, I, I knew a lot of Sega kids, but they hopped on at the Mega Drive. Yeah, same.
1: Yeah. And to be fair, it was only because... the Mega Drive, because I knew
0: no one that had a Saturn besides one yeah. person. <laughs> Uh, well, if you had read, another reference, if you had read Sonic the comic back in the day, as far as they were concerned, the Saturn was taken over. <laughs> Everyone and their mother had a Saturn. But, um, yeah, it was a thing where, like, you know, <laughs> you don't worry that because, you know, like, during the console wars, like, people, and, and it was a time where society generally was less affluent. There was less of a chance you'd end up in a situation where, like, you and I both own multiple consoles. Of the same generation Like we, we both own a Switch and a PS4 I own an Xbox One as well That shit was not happening when we were kids Yeah. So you found a lot of Part of the console wars thing was people were getting territorial And if they bought a Sega Jesus they dogmatically stuck to that Sega was the best Sega was the best, Nintendo was dog shit And if their parents had gotten them a Nintendo for Christmas They would have said the exact opposite Sure. You know, up was down, black was white <laughs> But um, You don't want to be that one kid Who everyone's like, oh Mario He's amazing or this Legend of Zelda game up to shit. It's like, yeah, Alex Kidd, what of it? Well, no, you didn't want to be the one that had a fucking Jaguar. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, that like, it's interesting to see that they had an idea for, like, a Mario clone in some ways. Because there's a lot of Mario-esque things to that Well,
1: game. you know what? There's actually, there's more going on in, like, if you're comparing just the original... Super Mario Brothers mm. to Alex Kidd in Miracle World like in terms of level design you think about that first level alone you know it's a complete vertical uh, yeah. stage to begin with until yeah. you get into the
0: ocean mm-hmm. and then it you know it becomes an ocean level
1: yeah. and it's fucking brutal as hell oh the
0: the, the like, octopus this is the, the earliest memory in my life like there of our it, it doesn't happen so much anymore but of our generation again you say water level to somebody mm. have <laughs> like and like half of it is because of this game and the other half is because and you know exactly what's about to come out of my mouth that goddamn motherfucking water temple in Ocarina of well, Time um
1: but actually you know what actually uh, for me when I think about water levels in the N64 I think about Conker's Bad Verde. Easy, you see I never fully completed that game <sighs> anyway I have it on the Rare collection but um but that first level alone, right, you have the verticality, you have the ocean, uh, the the water part of the level. You've also got, like, that fucking death block that you don't even realise will just kill you basically immediately. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because um, why? Because fuck you, that's, that's why. It, exactly. It's the fuck you block. Um, you've got, like, when you think about it, as a small child playing that game, when you die as Alex, he turns into an angel and floats up. Which, when you really think about it, is a pretty fucking harrowing animation to be yeah, seeing as the a four death year of the old. Yeah. 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 Um, one thing I want to talk to you about is talk that- to me. Lay it on me, brother. Okay, so you want to make a mascot,
0: yeah. right? Yeah.
1: And to be fair, we could we could talk about we this. Argue
0: about whether a middle aged plumber is a, a good one either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly that. But what exactly is Alex Kidd? He's a kid. I imagine that the marketing strategy was, he's just like you. But he kind of like... Like, you know, from that great school of thought, like, you know, Link is the silent protagonist because the psychological theory is that you will imprint yourself onto him. But he kind of looks like a member of the Kinks that have been shrunk down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I imagine this is like Sega japan i imagine this is their idea of what like the western child yeah. looks like although like.
1: i don't know if you've seen it before but look just google yourself right now alex kid the, the i can't remember what the mega drive game is called but just get the box art for it because the 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 visual design of alex Kidd on that front oh my god that's
0: nightmarish enchanted castle that's the one yeah they go for a, a wholly different um, oh my god look for him it looks like uh, one of those really nightmare porcelain dolls <laughs> sure, you yeah. know what i mean yeah. like with the just permanently fixed stare yeah i think what happened there is you know like
1: the story with the mega man games is that they the, the- Box art was kind of leased out to someone else to do, and yeah. they kind of gave him a brief idea of what the fuck yeah. Mega Man actually
0: is. So, like, oh, here's Mega Man, and he's actually holding a gun. First, one of my favorite things about the Alex Kidd uh, in Miracle World box art is that it. Wh- why is the hair color completely different? Like, it's a small blonde child on the cover art, yeah. and Alex Kidd it clearly has brown hair. Uh, like it's it definitely I think I I think you've hit the nail on the head there that it's 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 a case of uh, just miscommunication between whoever did the cover art and whoever actually designed the game. And also going back to Enchanted Castle box art there, the fucking ears on him, yeah, yeah, Jesus, like like a big copy is, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, it's. Um, it's definitely not for everybody. It's definitely not like it. It seems like, like you said, even though it, there's a lot of whole, a lot of things that are bar- borrowed wholesale from Mario. There's also a whole lot of things going on that they've tried, both the kind of traversal between water and vertical level, and in, in the first level. Or the, the enemy variations, all of them variations on fuck's sake. Yeah. Difficult. I, I They're trying a whole lot here to be like, this ain't your daddy's platformer, you know? But no. like, I remember the farthest I think I
1: got. I think I may have gotten a stage or two past the volcano, but I always remember it was around about the volcano that I was just like, I can't do this as a four-year-old. This is yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I might make that a challenge of mine in the near future beat Alex Kidd yeah Uh, Yeah. because I haven't I'd be psyched
0: to just sit here and watch you do it
1: because I haven't played that game in oh boy hey I gotta cook dinner after this if you wanna be my in-flight entertainment. when would have the last time I played this game been I think you played it very briefly with with me here like maybe for a couple of minutes I don't think I did I don't think we have I don't remember that I feel like we have I don't think we've dusted the master system out um, because the the other key thing as well, and this is obviously just um a, a design feature of the day because of limitations. There's no fucking save feature. No. Nope. Um, there which you know, there's no save for save feature in the original Mario, original Sonic, etc., yeah. etc. Et um, no, you're pretty much no, if you're
0: sitting down to beat Alex Kidd, you're staying there.
1: Yeah. So I like, and I think that's the thing. Like we kind of know Mario one one. Um, Green Hills. Yeah uh airman stage on Mega Man 2 and like the first level of alex kid because you know we've played the fucking thing
0: a thousand we remember, times we remember the first level of alex kid in the same way that we remember trauma <laughs> you know like there's just there's there's fretting and anxious images flashing into yeah. my head so, about water. and
1: genuinely like my earliest memory or the earliest kind of thing that is lodged in my brain is that goddamn theme song yeah you know um until the day I die, I will have... <laughs> yeah, it
0: yeah. Is, that is memorable. If, if one thing was memorable about this series, it's that music. Yeah. You know, if, if, if absolutely nothing else. Well, it might surprise you, Mark, if we're wrapping this up now. It might surprise you to learn that this game has been critically acclaimed since its release. Yeah, it, I was looking up the review scores for this. Oh, I'm about to lay something that, some, some shit down on you, brother. It's really high. In 1987, French magazine Génération 4... Well, the French, come on. ...gave this game a 99% score. You know, when you get to 99, Mark, you think, what is the 1%? What is the 1% that's keeping them off this being a part? You know, you've gone all the way to 99%. Just they probably just didn't to it, finish really. it. Or they don't yeah, like rock, paper, scissors. Pr- Uh, In 1991, Sega Pro Magazine gave it 95, stating, so much to do and so many different ways of doing it. This is one of those games that will keep you coming back even when you finished it completely, if ever such a thing was possible. CVG gave it 86, describing it as Sega's answer to Mario. It was a very poor answer. And concluding that the absorbing gameplay will have you glued to your screen for hours on end. But that's more just to try and beat it. You know what, right? So
1: obviously, as a mascot, it's a failure. But let's yeah. have a quick conversation here now about Super Mario Brothers versus Alex Kidd. Because Super Mario Brothers is better.
0: I think you can make a case for Alex Kidd, though. Uh, yeah, it in terms of what you're of looking for, and if you're looking for something that's orders of magnitude more challenging. Well, uh, yeah. If you're looking for something that's orders of magnitude more colourful, in terms of his inventiveness, yes, you know. It's certainly trying a lot. Like Mario Brothers, the original Mario Brothers is certainly a case of keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, like it. Oh, and it's like what the it, last fucking yeah, world it, anyway. It knows what it's good at, and for the majority of that game, that's the formula it sticks with.
1: It also definitely does more in terms of a difficulty curve. Yeah, where Alex kid Alex kid just, Kidd just a starts off.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a wall. It's yeah. a it's a vertical slope. Um. But yeah, this is my favourite part of the, the critical reception. In 2008, IGN gave it a retro review score of 9 out of 10 with an Editor's <laughs> Choice Award. Wow. Calling it an exceptional platform with loads of action and some great puzzle-solving challenges that still holds up remarkably well. They also gave, because this was released on the Wii Virtual Console. Oh, I suppose it would have been, yeah. Um, Gave it a, an 8 out of 10, I believe it said there. Because I have been,
1: like, considering... Uh. Well... Thinking about after um, Star Fox 2 and the reviews that came out for that, and there was a lot of conversation about. How do we review this game? Because this is obviously a game that was intended to be released in like 94. Yeah, it's been removed
0: from its original intended uh, context. And because you
1: had people that were getting pissed off that some people were just reviewing it as, hey, this is a a 2017 game, as far as we're concerned. We're going to review it as such. And, all right, the frame rate is appalling. So, you know, we have to take that into consideration. And I can kind of get that. And, like, we were playing Star Fox. I was playing Star Fox 2 uh, the other week when you got your SNES Mini. And after about half an hour, I was like, yeah, okay, I've seen, I've seen what it, this yeah. game is. Yeah. Um, and so I can get that. Then if it's a Star Fox game, after
0: half an hour, you've nearly beaten it.
1: Well, yeah, there is that as well. Um, so I'd be really curious, like, someone who, like, reviews games for a living that's never played Alex Kid in Enchant in Enchanted World. How do they tackle it? How would they? Yeah. Well, what would they even think? How would they sit Miracle World? Uh,
0: to sum it up, um, I think... Alex Kidd in Miracle World is an important historical artefact in that it's probably the first shot across the bow in the console war to try and create an answer to Mario. It wasn't a successful one. It would be a couple of years before Sonic really helped Sega out on that front. But uh, an interesting one, certainly one for the more uh, seasoned gamer because it it is from the start very challenging uh, and just a, an interesting little thing to, to check out. Kind of, I, I put it in the same vein as when we talked about Commander Keen on here, in terms of it's, it's definitely not the best in its genre by any stretch of the imagination, but it's something that will come up in, in conversation from time to time that might be worth having a look at for that reason. Uh, Mark, we have one last bit of business to talk about on the podcast, and that is, uh, what are we going to be talking about? Episode eighty-seven. It is your turn, my friend. I'm
1: going to keep on the bandwagon of uh, brutally difficult games. Okay. Um, but I'm going to fast forward us to the year two thousand and one. Okay. So we're on the PlayStation two. All right. and um, we're doing a bit of the, the old hack and slashing we going to talk about Devil May Cry.
0: Yes! I actually was thinking about doing this a little while ago. Yeah, damn right. One of my favourite ever moments in games is in this game. I, so. I, you know what? I get a feeling I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah. Um, I was going to originally... I think I
0: bring it up every time we talk about okay. it, so...
1: I was originally going to suggest DMC Devil May Cry because I do actually... would
0: a more divisive chat.
1: I prefer that to original Devil May Cry. Charlatan. But we can have that conversation next
0: week. Yeah. So yes. So, Devil May Cry. It's a banger. Yeah. Damn right. Uh so Devil May Cry will be episode eighty-seven of Link to the Cast. That is gonna do it for episode eighty-six of Link to the Cast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcasting platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast, subscribe to us there, rate, review, tell a friend. It all helps us out. Link to is the website. If you want to drop us an email, link to the cast at gmail.com The preferable way to get in touch with us is via social media where you can keep up to date with our content and we kind of stay across those platforms and reply to you much quicker there than we would by email. And those are facebook.com forward slash link to the cast at link to the cast on Twitter individually. I'm at Dave Ryan IV. Mark over there is at Lithium Project. Sometimes we stream video games over at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast. Not often. On YouTube, just search for link to the cast either as all one word or separately. The weekly video schedule when we are in active production is as follows. And uh, even though there are no videos up there in the series this week, there's plenty of archive content in that regard for you to check out. Mark on Mondays is Mark's solo stream where he uh, plays through whatever tickles his fancy on a particular Monday. What was the last thing you did on there?
1: Uh, I think it was down well, maybe. Okay. See, here's the thing. When Switch get their streaming service on the go... (laughs) it be good to go. I wouldn't hold my wrath, buddy. No. Um, or if work provided me with a new laptop. Oh, they're going to say if work provides you with
0: capture gear for no reason. Or that. Um, Which should be useless on my MacBook. Yeah, Wednesday is Retro Corner 64, uh, chronologically playing every single Nintendo 64 game released in English-speaking territories. Uh, haven't done one of those in a while.
1: No, because we've both not been here for the same weekend yeah, for like it's, it's <laughs> a tough month.
0: To kind of, our usual time to record that is like a Sunday afternoon, and we've been pretty flat out, one or the other of us, every Sunday for the last quite a while. Thursday is the day this podcast drops, the only thing that comes out that day, so you can enjoy it. And Friday is Friday plays Play, is my solo series, which will be back pretty much as soon as I can figure out a game that I'm going to do for it. And that's the only thing holding me back there, is that I'm kind of in a weird time where most of my backlog has been killed, and none of the games that are coming out immediately are ones that would be suited to a medium-sized sure. yep. series of playthroughs um anyway although i am like inspired on your uh
1: recommendation oxen th- oxen 3 is on switch now it sure is so i might have a look at
0: that yeah it was free on xbox last month on games with gold as well i don't have an xbox so. mm, indeed. <laughs> um i would say sorted out but that would be a joke I'll <laughs> <lie>. <laughs> look i like Cuphead. yeah All right. damn right Cuphead and Super Hot, but they don't even have a Super Hot as an exclusive. Anymore. Exactly. So, uh, anyway, that's going to do it for episode eighty-six of Link to the Cast. I've been Dave Ryan, the man over there has been Mark Robinson, and we shall see you all next week. I'm getting sick. Goodbye.